Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Alright, welcome to Best the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, the whale capper. We're going to talk about week 13, discuss whether we're buying or selling conference champions in each conference. Then we're going to talk uh, Monday night football, which just it's kind of a good game, right, Drew? <laughs> Interesting market. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of respect for the uh, the one Super Bowl champion Bucks. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the World Cup as well. I'm playing Hurt today. This is the joy of having three kids under five years old <laughs> constantly in different states of stickness. So forgive me if my voice goes in and out. But Drew, what big takeaways from week 13 for you? Yeah, I'm playing uh, on the injured list today as well because I've been up watching and betting on sports for um, like, you know, uh, going on 72 hours, it feels like. Uh, this is just wild. This constant uh, uh, World Cup, NFL, college football on Saturday. Uh, it was a un- unbelievably fun weekend. Uh, betting went well. Uh, I think that as football fans, we were probably a little sad this morning. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo out of the mix makes the NFC a little bit less intriguing. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we have questions about how long he'll be out. Uh, obviously, when kind of marquee quarterback injuries happen this late in the season to teams that are kind of in control of their playoff destiny, it it has a tendency to, to kind of introduce some un- uh, some not fun wrinkles. Um, otherwise, uh, the results yesterday were phenomenal. Uh, the fact that the Bengals pulled off the outright win against the Chiefs was huge, and we're going to talk more about that, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, you uh, you called it with uh, San Francisco. They come up against uh, – uh, Miami comes up against a real defense, real test for the first time this in, in what felt like two months. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of the big plays, broken plays, uh, that was a, a very solid performance by the Niners' defense. Um, um, just uh, the takeaways are, are tough to uh, come up with anything on a macro level other than the major winners of the day yesterday, and it's not close, were the Buffalo Bills. Uh, every every single result and everything that happened, even you know, to the injuries is e- inclusive, all felt like it helped Bills' case. So they, w- they would wake up this morning as the biggest winners of yesterday, and they didn't even play. Yeah. They're definitely the big winner. Uh, to your point about the Niners and that defense, yeah, I think uh, my theory that, and it wasn't you know the most novel theory in the world, but that the Dolphins were going to really struggle and that offense might not look viable, certainly took a hit on the first play of the game with a 75-yard <laughs> touchdown pass. But after that, outside of Tyreek Hill uh, having, I think, probably his most impressive game of the year given the context. Outside of that, uh, Tua was just absolutely under siege. Nick Bosa... 
has uh, I, I don't really understand why he's not the defensive player of the year favorite over Micah Parsons after yesterday, where Bosa just completely wrecked that game. That was as good uh, as you'll see a game from an edge rusher with three sacks, forced fumble mm-hmm. to seal the game, uh, just was living uh, in into his uh, vicinity. So I think the Niners, I mean, let's kind of start with them for a second, where yeah. like, are they a complete write-off now with Brock Purdy, or do you think that the context that Manahan makes them viable in the NFC? So here's the problem. The market does not think so at all. Uh, they are still comfortable favorites in the NFC West where they have just a one-game lead, and next week they're going to go head-to-head against our mighty Seahawks. I had expected that this was going to reopen like eh, minus 150, minus 120 maybe for San Francisco, but they were minus 400 this morning uh you know and and the idea that they have an 80 plus percent chance to win with brock purdy having going the last five games i I don't see it i mean it's not a super tough schedule uh but you got buccaneers and and seattle your next two weeks if you drop those two games uh you you could be looking up the standings at seattle and needing brock purdy to sweep the final three uh you know final three frames there to get you to uh, you know, the NFC West championship. So I'm, I'm very, very, very surprised that that specific divisional market did not react more, but especially considering the fact that Seattle got the win. Yeah, I think look, the difficulty is, is that with the tiebreak situation, which I was looking at last night as someone heavily invested in the Seahawks at 30 to 1, 40 to 1, uh, it's going to be a nightmare because Seattle are going to have to, they're going to have to beat San Francisco, which is going to make yeah. it level on the head to head. They're probably both going to go five and one in the division, which is the next tie break. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to like common games. And at that point, I, I just, I, I don't want to deal with this until I have to. So. <laughs> but that's going to be close as well. Uh, but the issue is, I think, is that, look, Seattle, they may need to beat Kansas City to win the division or have something really break right where the Raiders uh, beat San Francisco or something like that. So I think San Francisco is still rightfully favored. But yeah, certainly, look, the thing is, is when you're starting, uh, Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, the games that seem very winnable or that they should be just locked up like home to Washington or home to Arizona, those suddenly become losable games. So I think certainly the floor for the Niners certainly got a lot lower. But uh, oh, let's let's jump to the AFC <laughs> where the big, I guess, the really big takeaway is that the Cincinnati Bengals looked like a team that could win the Super Bowl yesterday. And... I mean, I think that I think the scoreline flattered the Chiefs a little bit just because Tyler Boyd dropped a walk-in touchdown. The Bengals got stuffed on fourth and one uh, deep in the red zone. Yes, Travis Kelsey got kind of bizarrely um, stripped of the ball, which changed the momentum of the game. But how seriously are you taking the Bengals? Well, the Bengals are in an interesting spot. Uh, they are still obviously behind the uh, the Baltimore Ravens who eked out that win uh, in just gross fashion <laughs> against the uh, Broncos. Um, and, you know, I think that we have covered this in pretty solid detail, so I don't even really need to know if we need to go into it, but they have a very, very, very challenging schedule on the way in. And so one of two things happens. This team either limps into the playoffs after kind of winning and losing uh, and goes in as a wild card and has to do it on the road, which is, you know, basically I'm fine kind of keeping them clearly in the second tier if that's their path. And then the other, but the other uh, reality is they, you know, they come into the playoffs as sort of a sharpened knife 
having had all of these high leverage games down the stretch, if they're, you know, if they uh, continue to improve uh, and honestly, like the absence of Joe Mixon has kind of made the offense feel a lot more fluid. Um, and just in general, you know, Chase getting healthier, Higgins still being an absolute monster of a mismatch. Like they have all of the tools to be a dynamic force in an AFC that's pretty crowded. Uh, the entire kind of issue is going to be, do they go in as a three seed or do they go in as a, you know, five, six seed? Um, and, you know, the, the, the key at this point uh, kind of shuffling the cards is going to be, if you're in the AFC, get into the top three. Because other than that, your path is absolutely disastrous. It doesn't matter if the Colts, I mean, excuse me, it doesn't matter if the Chiefs or the Bills end up in the one seed at the end of the day. You do not want to face that team coming off of a bye, whoever they are. Which means if you are in the two and three, you take care of business at home in the wild card round. And then you at least avoid, uh, you know, the disastrous situation where you're a touchdown dog in week two of the playoffs. And so I think, you know, any one of the, you know, when, when the dust settles, the teams that are in the one, two, and three are the ones we're going to have to take most seriously because of path. And if it's the Baltimore Ravens who are ultimately in the three, then I have, you know, whittled my AFC expectation down to just the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah, I I think you really have to be in the one or the two, honestly, because like Cincinnati say, if as expected, well, it's not even as expected because they're still dogs in the division. But even if they get the three and their path to the Super Bowl, that means it's almost certainly going to have to be winning road games at Buffalo and at Kansas City. Like that's probably just too tall of a task. It's not impossible. But I think for Cincinnati, I think their season is probably going to come down to needing to win at home uh, against Buffalo in week 17 because that would give them the tie break, gives them a real chance to leap Buffalo in the standings. And at that point, if Cincinnati are a two seed or even a one seed, but I wouldn't be riding off the Chiefs and not that anyone's riding off the Chiefs. <laughs> Let's not write them off. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of their scope to get the one seed, I mean, they still only have three losses, which is the same as Buffalo. Their schedule the rest of the way is, is comically easy. They have it, it two is. games against a Denver team that's totally broken. They play the Texans in two weeks. Yeah. That's as close to an automatic win in the recent history of the NFL. And then they play home to Seattle, which is, is kind of a little bit dangerous, but they'll be bigger than touchdown favorites there, you would think. Uh, and then their other game is against the Raiders. So they're in a very good spot as opposed to Cincinnati, who we mentioned, where they play... Cleveland at Tampa at New England, Buffalo, Baltimore, and then the Bills, who it's not quite as difficult, but they still have games home to the Jets, uh, which is losable, and they've already lost to the Jets, home to Miami. By that point, Teron Armstead will be back, and that'll be a fully firing Dolphins team. That line will be under a touchdown um, for sure. And then, you know, at Chicago, that should be winnable. But then at Cincinnati, home to New England. So, I mean, I think the Bills now are favorites to get the one seed because yeah. they have a tiebreak over Kansas City, but it's very close. So yeah. uh, I think there's still a lot to be sorted out there. And, I mean, yeah, the Bills are now rightfully the favorites in the AFC, but Kansas City should be second. And then I think there's a pretty big drop-off. And then the Bengals and the Dolphins are the next two teams up. Mm. Are you worried about the Dolphins off of yesterday? We just ride it off to the Throat Armstead and... Uh, and Austin Jackson being out. Well, worried about them because their schedule does not get any softer anytime soon. Uh, we know they're staying on the West Coast this week. 
to prepare for their game against the Chargers on Sunday. Um, that's good. I don't love the idea of flying that team to and from, you know, the uh, the West Coast. Uh, and then coming off of the Chargers game, they go at the Bills. Um, so they are definitely staring at a very, very tough path uh, to secure even a playoff spot, let alone, you know, one of the prized wildcard spots. Because in the AFC, uh, if you draw the five and you get the Tennessee Titans – you're feeling a lot better than if you draw the six and you're playing against the, the Bengals or if you draw the seven and you're now on the road against the Chiefs or the Bills. Like there's a huge, huge win equity uh, to be had by getting that five seed and kind of securing the most advantageous you know, wild card matchup. Um, I would say that the Dolphins still ought to be the favorites to get that seed. Uh, they're a very, very good team. That offense is unbelievable. And I think they're, you know, they're rightfully, uh, you know, being given a, a meaningful chance to beat the, a Chargers team that looks like, you know, what are they playing for at this point? And, you know, they can't you know, feel the healthy offensive line to save them, uh, to save their season. So, um, you know, it's, it, but it's definitely, um, it was eye-opening seeing uh, the way that the uh, the Dolphins were able to pass protect uh, when the game state got into the point where it was must pass. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, sort of the dynamic aspects of the Dolphins' offense just weren't there. Um, and I think that's important to keep an eye on as they, uh, you know, kind of play up against uh, some more meaningful competition. So, yeah, I think Dolphins clearly on a third tier uh, after the Bills and the Chiefs on tier one and the Bengals for me kind of stand alone in tier two. Um, but uh, yeah, Dolphins, yeah, that was a, that was a tough loss. Yeah. I, th- I, I think the Bengals and Dolphins are in a similar tier and we'll see. I'd probably have the Bengals slightly better because of the injuries the Dolphins are dealing with at the moment. But um, the, the Dolphins go at Chargers, at Buffalo, home to Green Bay, at New England, home to the Jets. So none of those games <sighs> would give you a tiny stretch. And I think the, the Dolphins might have kind of got screwed by Green Bay winning yesterday because Aaron Rodgers now is almost certainly going yeah. to be playing in three weeks because the playoffs will be alive. Whereas yeah, yeah. if they were home to Jordan Love, then that's a double-digit spread. So I still think they have a tremendous amount of upside. Xavier Howard is playing a little bit better as well, which is very key for them because there's not a ton else uh, that they have at corner. Um, so I, I still think that that team has a lot of upside. And let's see how they look with Teron Armstead back. And given that he was practicing last week, he should be back against the Chargers. Tua, it's like Tua was just going to play. Uh, it looked like he would have come back had that game been a bit more in the balance. So I wouldn't be too worried there. Jalen Waddle will see about that injury. But if they're fully healthy, they should wipe out the Chargers. The Chargers are not good. That game yesterday was uh, not yeah. impressive um, from them. Uh, we want to quickly hit on the NFC. Anything that you want to talk about between the Eagles, the Cowboys? Well, actually, but yeah, before going to NFC, did you uh, – you caught, obviously, I'm being a little dismissive of the Ravens entirely. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah, what do we say? That's why the Ravens – yeah, so uh, I write them off in my mind, number one, because you're now looking at uh, an offense that doesn't have a healthy Lamar Jackson. Even if he does re- come back for the home stretch here, I think it's expected that he will miss one or two games. It looked to me like a likely bone bruise, you know, maybe a ligament uh, strain. Um, and so, you know, putting him on ice for a couple of games would be my medi- my mean expectation there. Um at that point, are they in a wild card position or are they still holding on to the three? Does it matter? Um, you know, this offense just does not look to have anywhere close to the horses it needs to compete with the top dogs in the AFC. Like they're just, you know, any the idea that the Ravens go out and either score 30 in a game 
against the elite competition or uh, or that defense is all of a sudden steps up and, and doesn't allow more than, say, 24 points. I, I have a very, very tough time rationalizing that against the elite teams in the AFC. Yeah, I think the issue with the Ravens is Mark Andrews is, has not been the same guy because the theory of the team becomes a lot cleaner if you've got Lamar and Mark Andrews giving you that raised floor. Uh, but now, I mean, Tyler Huntley, as far as backup quarterbacks go, is pretty good and he steered the ship at the end of last season and he has a rapport with Andrews. But, I mean, they're two-point dogs against Kenny Pickett next week, which isn't ideal. The thing is with the Ravens is that their schedule is very kind. So uh, if they can just get through this stretch and have Lamar back for the last week of the season against the Bengals, which he probably is going to be for the AFC North, uh, then, you know, they're live. But it's difficult to see the ceiling of this team with those pass catchers. And also... That loss against Jacksonville now looks a lot worse um, after what Jacksonville served up uh, against Detroit. <laughs> our, uh, our Jags. It's been a roller coaster of the season for us and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, anything you want to touch on in the NFC? Yeah. The Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, it's that's where we're down to. Christmas Eve looms large. Can I nah. interest you in some Tampa Bay Bucks? Not right now, thanks. <laughs> the, uh, no, the uh, the Christmas Eve looms large. Uh, that head-to-head in Jerry World for uh, presumably for control of the NFC East is going to basically switch. It's going to swing wind share uh, one way or the other here for the you know in, in the final frame. And I think the Cowboys were incredible last night. I don't know what else you need to say. They were playing a team that was broken. Um, and the Colts, you know, we've known for a while the Colts were a broken team. So the fact that they were able to hang 30 whatever points they were in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, that's going to happen <laughs> when you're playing a broken team. The Eagles, I thought, were the more impressive in terms of the way they dispatched a team that was playing for something real. And I think the big litmus test coming into the week for the Eagles was, can you get Jalen Hurts to be a downfield passer? Because that's the way you can put pressure on the Titans. And he answered that question with a, with a, just a resounding yes. And so that I think means a lot for uh, Eagles, just in general, having a more dynamic offense come, come playoff time. Um, I thought their run defense was solid as well. I thought their coaching decisions were solid. So basically everybody that had a test on the side of the Eagles this week, all passed with flying colors. And so I think um, very excited to see how they match up against the Cowboys. I'm leaning Eagles in that just in general, uh, based on sort of the, the health and the competency of this team. Uh, I have some, some questions about what's going on with the Dallas defense, particularly, you know, know, the way they're utilizing Parsons, why, and you know, how that impacts everybody else on the field for them. Um, But uh, yeah, I think the fact that the Eagles are still plus plus one eighty in the NFC is, is interesting to me. And, and uh, I would uh, make that a little bit shorter because I think they do get the head to head win against Dallas. Where are you on this? Yeah, I think I actually wouldn't mind the Bucks in the NFC as a long shot bet, if not for the fact that they're going to have to play probably Dallas in round one. And which brings me to the Minnesota Vikings right now, who aren't very good, uh, are going to be the two seed, and their path to the NFC title game might be two home games against the New York Giants or Washington Commanders and then Brock Purdy, um, yeah. which is insane. In terms of Eagles against the Cowboys, yeah, I think that that, 
that Christmas Eve game is going to be about about as uh, as highly rated a game as we've seen in the regular season. Uh, it's a shame that the Cowboys have three losses and not two, and the game isn't for the division yeah. uh, or close. But uh, yeah, that's going to be huge. That I think that game decides MVP uh, because if Hurts Whoa. wins that game. If the rest of the Eagles' schedule is a joke, as it's been all season, so if Hertz wins that game, there's a very good chance he's sixteen and one uh, with incredible stats and might topple Mahomes. If he loses that game, I think he's probably done for MVP because of uh, the caliber of case that Mahomes and Burrow and maybe even Josh Allen are going to put up. But we can get into all of that. All right, before we talk about Saints Bucks. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. All right, Saints, Bucks, Bucks only minus three and the total is 41. What do you like in this game? 
Yeah, uh, your opportunity to bet against the mighty Tampa Bay Buccaneers has come and gone. Uh, I do not think that there is a fair play on New Orleans here at the now plus three. Uh, this was in the four and a half range. Uh, you know, this time last week when the you know, limits started creeping up, and uh, I think uh, the fact that the market has told you, you know, without really. Any- any injury information. This is just specifically opinion of the market makers, as far as I can tell you, uh, that the Bucks are not for real and that the Saints are going to give them a tough test. Saints match up well against the Bucks. I don't know how many more head-to-heads you need to go back and look at, um, but they have always given the Bucks uh, a very, very tough time. I know that this Saints team, um, you know, is is they have dealt with significant injuries all across both sides of the roster this season. But, um, you know, I think as they come into this game, they are live. Uh, three to me feels like the absolute perfect number on the side. So I couldn't take a position either way there. Total sitting at 41 looks a little low. But uh, with the way that these quarterbacks are playing and the way these offenses have struggled at times, uh, I don't think I'm running to the window to get an over 41 in a divisional game. What are you, what, where are you on this one? Yeah, I don't. I, just, I don't really understand the Saints. I don't understand why they're not better than they are. I don't understand Andy Dalton, who is the seventh highest graded quarterback in the NFL by PFF, which I don't. I don't really understand uh, the defense. We'll see if Lattimore coming back and he's expected back today. Whether that changes the complexion of the defense because their corners have not been good at all to this right. point. But I mean, it was very impressive. They kept San Francisco to thirteen points last week. It's just they scored zero points themselves. So uh, I think the line is fair at three. In terms of some player props, uh, I would look at Chris Olave. His over-under for receiving yards is 60 and a half. Uh, He's gone over that seven of the past 10 games, and you can call it eight and two if you give him uh, the game where he got knocked out, uh, I think against Seattle, when he was at 54 yards right after the half and then got concussed. So I think that that's a good look, just given that uh, the rapport that he has with Dalton, and I think he is just he's a true wide receiver one. I he's I don't think he's gonna win because uh, he just doesn't have the team. But I think he might be the most deserving offensive rookie of the year candidate right now. There's just no buzz around him because the team is so blah. But yeah. uh, in terms of just the case and his what he's what he's done, I think that he has as good an argument as anyone. Is there anything from a player perspective that you're looking at? Well, the Bucks are now in a position where their pass protection, which has been an issue all season, is even more under scrutiny because Tristan Wirf's unlikely to go, as far as I could tell you. Um, so the idea that this is going to be even more of a short, you know, uh, just a rhythm offense, and Brady's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly, I think would you know would be my general expectation. To that degree, I think Godwin receptions over makes a good case. I think Rashad White reception receiving yards over uh, as the running back makes a good case. Cade Otten is probably going to be a pretty helped hefty uh, um, you know target share in this one. I would not expect a lot out of Mike Evans in this game. He and Brady have been on different pages all season anyway, uh, and now with Lattimore potentially coming back, who has been a, an absolute Evans stopper, I think that tilts the board in favor of a Godwin in favor of a tight end and running back targets so uh, that's kind of my general thought on target share I would lean receptions over yardage just because I'm expecting a little bit of a short passing game from Tampa Um, and uh, yeah hopefully hoping for a big big game from Rashad White uh, for 
just to give us some sign of life in Tampa. Uh, they need to move on from uh, Lenny Fournette, in my opinion. Uh, and Rashad White having a big game in a moment like this would do, uh, you know, would do some, you know, would move the needle. I think so. That's what I'm pulling for. Uh, haven't bet anything though. Where, 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 where should I be looking? Yeah, I think that all makes sense. I th- Brady is an interesting one where his interceptions prop is 0.5 and it's evenly backed each side and he's only thrown two interceptions all year, um, strangely. I think that that's probably a little bit fluky uh, when you look at the interceptions that he's thrown throughout his career in Tampa, but I don't have a specific lean on that, I guess. I would probably actually take the over just because of the Saints' defense because of the volume of pass attempts that he's putting up, because of how insipid the run game has been. But, yeah, certainly Rashad White is a player to watch as well. And we need the Saints tonight, Drew, because we need the chaos, a little chaos ball in the NFC South, bring the Carolina Panthers back to life for that division who uh, I'll go to my grave thinking they would have won this division if uh, if DJ Moore hadn't taken off his helmet in the end zone against Atlanta. But uh, want to monitor the... Uh, the worst division in football, though yeah, <laughs> might have a claim for that too, as it always does. All right, before we get into the World Cup, if you want more betting, DFS, and fantasy advice right before kickoff tonight, tune into our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Eastern as Vaughn Dalzell, Lawrence Jackson, and Kyle Dvoracek answer your questions prior to kickoff between the Saints and Buccaneers. All right, Drew, World Cup. We're uh we're into somewhat the quarterfinals. <laughs> Where where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Where yeah. Um well I can just say that the group stage was unbelievably fun. It was so entertaining, particularly the third round with the head-to-head games and sort of the the moving parts and figuring out, you know, who was going on and who was eliminated. It was unbelievably cool. And then the knockout rounds so far for me have landed with the thud. Uh, there really hasn't been a lot of drama. It's been mismatch, 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 mismatch. Finally getting a competitive one today with Japan and Croatia. Don't really know how this goes. Hopeful that Croatia can somehow find an equalizer here. Uh, give us a little bit of drama at the end. But um, I think uh, if you look, as you look at the bracket, uh, the expectation clearly on the top is we're going to end up with the Brazil-Argentina semifinal. That has been what we've been talking about going on three weeks now. Uh, and it looks, you know, we're, we're what three games away from that. Um, And I think on the bottom, you have to, you know, you cannot deny how amazing France has looked. They have exceeded expectations at every, you know, from everyone who came in doubting them this year. They are the rightful, you know, second favorites right now, just because they are on the bottom. They avoid the, uh, the path of Brazil and Argentina to the final. Uh, and their most significant challenge looks to be Spain, who takes on Morocco tomorrow and, uh, you know, is, is a heavy favorite to qualify. Um, and I would have to say that Spain, France is looking like as entertaining of a semifinal final as brazil argentina um very very excited to see how those teams match up because they're both so possession possession heavy uh and uh you know i think england rightfully sliding down the board netherlands i don't give them much of a chance against argentina so uh the final four looks pretty solid to me yep i think that's a good read on the situation i need Kylian mbappe dead drew I need his <laughs> gone. I'll he's too good i need his golden ball case dead it's just absolutely killing me just he's watching this guy cook there, on XG, France lost that game to Poland, which I think is an indictment uh, of XG because yes. France completely dominated that game. And as someone who was cheering against France, it felt like a 
foregone conclusion. The first 30 minutes of the game, France could have been up 4 nothing. Yeah. Uh, they look ominous at the moment. At the same time, England... England did show a fair bit against Senegal, I think, and they show. I think they showed up better than they did uh, in the group stage, certainly after the Iran game. So, not giving up hope that England can knock out Kylian Mbappe for me. And then, in terms of the other teams, like I think that the big team to fade is honestly the Netherlands. I don't think the Netherlands are very good Oof. at all yeah. uh, defensively. They've been okay, but they just have no. No kind of theory of attacking, and Cody Gakpo has shown up and kind of created some moments for them. But just when you compare how they go forward versus now this Argentina team, who I think were a little bit uneven in the first couple of games, Argentina is now totally in rhythm. They are wrong. Yes. They should have blown out Australia. Yeah. They were yeah. very impressive against Poland as well. Messi has come right into this World Cup now, so. I think that Argentina are going to destroy the Netherlands, uh, which would be famous last words after. (laughs) Uh, That would be my look there. And then outside of that, Spain are a very weird team. I don't really understand why they're not a little bit better with all the possession that they have. They just cannot manufacture or they cannot finish their chances. And if we get Spain-Portugal, that's going to be a fun one. But yeah, I think it's shaping up really nicely. I hope, well... I hope the France go out. So I hope it's England, Spain, and Brazil, Argentina. But I think Brazil and Argentina, to me, just because of how solid Argentina have looked defensively, I think that they're probably, I give them a slight edge over France, but it's very slight. Uh, And also we have to look at, you know, what's the state of Neymar? Because without Neymar, Brazil, they look like they lost a beat. So uh, those are the things that I would be looking for. But uh, yeah, cheering for England. Uh, What's your read there? You want you want Mbappe out? I think Messi's gonna have to do it himself. Yes, this, this looks like Argentina France final. Really, if I had to say. I mean, France is so 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 far superior to England. I don't think that's gonna be a. Su- I mean, England is amazing on the counter. Uh, that's how they got it done uh, against Senegal. Uh, clearly, like that was their their secret weapon, and they have uh, nice pieces who can finish. Uh, you know, on the counter. Uh, but France is more. Uh, more effective defensively, I think they're going to have you know have the answers to keep England uh, somewhat muted in this one from a goal scoring scoring standpoint. And they're too good up up top. Uh, they're going to get one. Uh, I think they move on against England, uh, and I think they match up pretty nicely against Portugal or Spain or some surprise that comes out of the bottom there. Um, so Argentina France is where we're headed in my mind. Okay, yeah, I my look for. For England, France would be under two and a half, which is pretty juiced at minus 145. But still, if there's one thing that we know about Gareth Southgate, it's that in big games against good opposition, he skews extremely defensive. Like he does not unleash the shackles. That gives me hope that it will be a low-scoring game, which means there's probably a little bit more variance in favor of the underdog that it might only take you know, one goal from England to get through this or at least get to extra time, uh, in which case anything can happen. But, uh, yeah, please play Phil Foden, Gareth Southgate. Please. <laughs> uh, anyway, we will check back in uh, with all the World Cup action and then also tomorrow to break down, for better or worse, what happens in Saints Bucks. But for now, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Rudinsic. We'll be back tomorrow.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 